Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's August 7th. The Gulf of Tonkin Resolution was passed on the state in 1964. This was when the United States became fully involved in the Vietnam War. Vietnam had been divided into North and South Vietnam about 10 years earlier, and this was supposed to be temporary. It was a temporary measure to end some fighting. But the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union got in the way. They were both involved in these negotiations. It became pretty much a stalemate as they had their own issues to resolve. The United States, though, wanted to stop the spread of communism, and there were fears that a united Vietnam would be united under a communist government. So the nation remained divided with a communist government in North Vietnam and a government in South Vietnam that had a lot more ties to the capitalist nations in the West. But a war soon followed. At first... The United States wasn't formally involved in this war, but it did support the efforts of South Vietnam, especially when it came to fighting communist insurgents within South Vietnam who were being aided by the North. And that's why there was already a U.S. military presence there before the United States was officially involved in this war. On August 2nd of 1964, the USS Maddox was on a reconnaissance mission in the Gulf of Tonkin. That's a body of water between Vietnam and China that was attacked by a Vietnamese patrol boat. In response to that attack, the United States sent a second destroyer to the area. That was the USS Turner Joy. On August 4th, both of these destroyers reported another attack by North Vietnam as well, although there was a lot of confusion about exactly what happened. The events of August 2nd and 4th, though, prompted U.S. President Lyndon Johnson to seek congressional approval to go to war. The Gulf of Tonkin resolution followed. It read, quote, Congress approves and supports the determination of the president as commander-in-chief to take all necessary measures to repel any armed attack against the forces of the United States and to prevent further aggression. This was unanimously passed in the House of Representatives, and only two no votes were recorded in the Senate, and the president signed it into law on August 10th. Following this, the United States started an intensive bombing campaign, and American troops were in Vietnam in March of 1965. What followed after this was a long and deadly war, with hundreds of thousands of civilians killed. U.S. involvement lasted for almost a decade, and as the war became more and more unpopular in the United States, The Gulf of Tonkin Resolution was repealed in 1971, and the United States withdrew in 1973. There were doubts from the beginning about what had really happened on August 4th. Visibility on the water at the time was really poor, and the crew of both vessels were extremely anxious about the possibility of another attack. A pilot who was flying recon over the area said that there were no Vietnamese vessels attacking the American ships, The incident was described as firing on phantom ships, basically radar and sonar readings that were being misread by over-eager operators. 
Then documents that were declassified in 2005 and 2006 suggested that this whole thing might have been fabricated and that some officials, including Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara, might have deliberately misled the president and the Congress in this information about what led them to go to war. The Gulf of Tonkin resolution had also been incredibly broad. It had given the president almost unlimited power when it came to the war in Southeast Asia. So Congress passed the War Powers Act in 1973. It was passed over President Richard Nixon's veto. It set limits on presidential power to take military action without involving Congress. The goal was to prevent another Vietnam War, although presidents since then have argued that it's an unconstitutional infringement on presidential power. Thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat for her research work in today's episode and to Tari Harrison for her audio work on this podcast. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for a major battle that turned the tide of the First World War. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. The day was August 7, 1947. Norwegian ethnographer Tor Heyerdahl and his crew on the Kontiki made it to the Roroya Atoll in the Tuamotu Archipelago near Tahiti. Heyerdahl's goal was to show that Native Americans could have migrated from east to west to reach Polynesia. At the time, prevailing thought was that Southeast Asians traveled from the west eastward to populate Polynesia. Polynesia comprises more than a thousand islands in the Pacific Ocean, and the Polynesian Triangle has Hawaii at its north, Easter Island in the east, and New Zealand in the southwest. Tahiti is near the middle of the triangle. In his book, Vikings of the Sunrise, Maori doctor and scholar Teirangi Hiroa, also known as Sir Peter Henry Buck, traced the migration of people eastward to Polynesia. But Heyerdahl thought differently. He studied zoology, geography, and Polynesian history and culture. He also spent time in the Marquesas, a group of volcanic islands in the southern Pacific Ocean. And he came to believe that South Americans traveled west to populate Polynesia. He figured that they got to the islands by accidentally drift voyaging. He came to that conclusion because wind and current patterns in the Pacific Ocean mainly flow from east to west. And he thought that Native Americans would have drifted with the wind rather than traveled against the wind, as people coming to the islands from the west would have had to. He noted how South American plants like the sweet potato were in Polynesia. And he noted similarities between monuments on the Fatuhiva and the Marquesas and those from ancient South American civilizations. He also drew connections between the appearance and cultural traditions of Polynesians and South Americans. Heyerdahl hypothesized that people arrived in Easter Island from pre-Incan Peru around 500 CE. And another group of people, he said, arrived in Hawaii from British Columbia about 500 years later. So Heyerdahl set off on a mission to show that South Americans could have drift voyaged to the Polynesian islands. He assembled a crew of five men, 
four Norwegians and a Swede, to make the journey from Peru to Polynesia. To demonstrate how the South Americans could have drifted there with the wind and currents, he had the crew build a raft made of balsa wood logs. He named the raft Kontiki, after an alternative name for an Incan creator god. The team's trip began on April 28, 1947, when they left Cayo, Peru, along with a Spanish-speaking parrot. They had an amateur radio station that they used to communicate with North and South American stations. Otherwise, they looked to the sun, stars, currents, and winds to keep them on track. They used sails, paddles, and a steering oar to guide the craft. On July 30th, they spotted land, and on August 7th, the crew arrived at the Roroya Atoll. They had traveled more than 4,000 miles, or 6,400 kilometers, in 101 days. Heyerdahl had proved that it was possible for South Americans to travel to Polynesia on the tides, but oral tradition, archaeological data, linguistic structures, and plants still pointed to the west-to-east migration theory being the more probable one. Scholars still rejected his east-to-west theory, and researchers built models showing that it was highly unlikely that Polynesia was populated through the drift process. Heyerdahl later led more expeditions to islands and voyages in primitive vessels. In the 1950s, New Zealander Andrew Sharp proposed that Polynesians did come from Asia, but that their vessels and navigational tools were too crude to get them from Tahiti to Hawaii or New Zealand intentionally. In 1976, traditional Micronesian navigator Mao Pialuk showed that intentional voyaging was possible using non-instrument navigational and land-finding techniques, and Polynesia could have been populated that way. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any burning questions or comments to tell us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again tomorrow for more tidbits of history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.